Welcome to BNB with Ellie, Biohacking and Beyond, the podcast where we dive into the incredible world of self healing and mind body connection using biohacking and lessons from Germanic New Medicine. Good day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in again to this episode of BNB with Ellie. And I'm super excited to introduce to you a friend. And also, I feel somebody who's on the same parallel healer's journey path. And she's a biohacker. She's a leader of many health movements here in the Philippines, in my opinion. And her name is Denise Aldran. Hi, Dan. Hi, Ellie. Thanks for inviting me. I mean, I don't know what I can share, but I'm excited just to chat with you anyway. Oh my gosh, it's such a no-brainer to have you on the podcast. You have you are like the original biohacker. You've had your center like in 2014 and everything where nobody really heard about neurofeedback. And what's interesting to note is that I've known Denise for a while now, like her family, but we really became closer in 2018 because I found out that she was teaching homeopathy and yes. I learned it from Denise. Yeah. So Dan, could you tell us your story? How what got you started? in this healing journey? Well, I think I've been in this space for since 2002. I was trying to think of it the other day. So it's been, what, 20, 21 years already. And I started out first with, you know, the usual pranic healing, Reiki. And like any healer's journey, you start out because you're pretty wounded, right? And searching for something like everybody else's story. And I didn't want to fall back on medication. So in my family, it's highly constellated, as you would call it. We have schizophrenia, we have bipolarity. We have, I mean, name it, we have it, narcissism. <laughs> name it, and it's in our family. So growing up, I was actually exposed a lot to the National Mental Hospital, which coincidentally was owned and started by my great-grandfather, my mom's Lolo. So he actually started the National Mental Hospital, Dr. Jose Fabella. I had a lot of uncles that were schizophrenic and like, I, I mean, I don't know the real story there, but so my uncle was there. So early on, I was exposed to electroshock therapy and I really didn't know what's going on. All I know is that when I would talk to my uncle who was schizophrenic, he would just open the world to us. You know, he would talk about things that are pulling things out of midair and uh, magic. And I mean, it was so real was and I mean it was probably also real to him so ever since then I was always interested in the mind and you know you when you grow up and I grew up with a narcissistic mother it's so funny because yesterday we were talking a friend and I were talking about narcissistic mothers comparing notes and my mom was there it's like what what's that and like so he explained to her this is what a narcissist what is that me <laughs> and I go mom no more you're okay now <laughs> so she was just so we can laugh at least in our family we've always been able to talk about it but you know poor body self-image I remember being sent to Weight Watchers at 11 I mean because she's a beauty queen right yeah so growing up like so Carlos and I always Carlos my brother who passed would always joke that we had um, fat girl and fat boy issues and then my middle brother and Einemann would have middle child issues. So we always talked about it. So that's how my interest in, it's specifically in mental health, really. And that's how I got into pranic healing. You know, there was a time that it's like I could either get depressed or I could do something about it. It's a journey of trying to fix myself. Dan, this is like a part of you that I never, <laughs> ever knew about. I mean, you know, really? your dad's 
pediatrician ng bayan, you know, he's like the doctor of everybody. So, every, so he's like such an institution already on his own. And, you know, that that's pretty much all we know about the Siljan family, then Carlos, then you. But I didn't know about that part, about the constellations. But And there's an interesting part in GNM, which is not taught by GNM per se, but people who have, have spilled over or kind of have extended their expertise on, and base it on GNM. In terms of the ancestral tree, that everybody in our family, our ancestors and everything passed down conflicts to us. And it also matters the birth order, the siblings and all of that. So we really come together as part of a way to heal our constellations together, which is super interesting. I want to explore that with you um, after the, after we record this podcast, I'll, I'll talk talk with you about it because I know this is kind of your thing it's it kind of just gave me this download to tell you about it wow so family order even actually our family we're okay and my other my mom's siblings I mean they actually lost their kids taking their own lives so I think that because my mom married my dad who was super stable super grounded you know they match I mean it was a good match as you were talking about in in Freya it it was a good match so even if we were a little kooky, we were still solidly brought up. And I think thanks to my dad's solid, you know, Cebuano upbringing. <laughs> peasant, peasant upbringing. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought that up because Freya, Freya is like a biological relationships course that is taught by one of the apprentices of the founder of GNM, Dr. Rika Gerdhammer. And he's a, a teacher that's based in Croatia. And it's about finding your biological appropriate femininity and uh, recognizing the biologically appropriate masculine. I love that you emphasize that because our parents being in a secure biologically appropriate relationship will do so much to establish a really solid foundation for the children to grow up with as little conflicts and constellations possible. It's not that conflicts and con- constellations are bad, but mm-hmm. to have them balance out where they're not too heavily scaled. So I love it that you that you recognize that because that's so important. Yeah, so then, so what got you into homeopathy? Well, homeopathy was, I've always heard about it. And because my dad's a pediatrician, I remember when I was a kid, I would go around Makati Med with my little nurse hat and my little doctor's (laughs) bag. I've always been fascinated in the healing arts because of my dad. And then I actually tried to do med proper. So I was in UP Los Banos taking vet med, and that was supposed to be my med proper. Okay. Two years into it, I think I was not first year vet proper. I was just so disillusioned with the way it was done, you know, with the pharma. And I mean, there was nothing that was interesting to me because it just seemed so mechanical and they burn you out. I mean, how can you heal other people when you go through med school and you're just burned to a crisp late nights and it's nothing for the soul. For me, it gave nothing for the soul. So I left and I finished agriculture, which was, you know, better because you grow things, you know, happier. And (laughs) then I got into all kinds of healing modalities from Reiki to pranic healing, so on and so forth. And then one day they invited this Dr. Picho to the healing house. That's where I was practicing before Reiki. And... He had just come back from London, I think, and he was teaching homeopathy. And I was like, wow, what's this? So before I could, the first class I didn't take. And then what happened was my mom got hydrocephalus and we thought she had a stroke because we were in Palawan and then she just started dragging her foot while her left side was off. 
And so my dad thought she had a stroke, but he didn't want to operate her because at her age, with a stent in the back of her, you know, brain stem. So somebody told me, somebody from the healing house told me, call Dr. Picho, maybe he can help your mom. So I did. And in three days, she was walking. He gave her a remedy oh and then she was walking. It had drained all the water from her from her brain. They had given her salt, natmir, which is homeopathic salt. And that yeah. was to, to drain all the water in her brain. Even my dad's like, wow, what's this kind of sorcery? You know, even if though he didn't understand it, he could see <laughs> how it worked for my mom, for him. So I finally took the course and I became an apprentice of Dr. Picho. So I was really into it, teaching, um, studying. I mean, a real advocate of homeopathy. I can't say I'm as strong an advocate now because, of course, of GNM, when you know that at the end of the day, you really need nothing, right? But your own brain. Yeah. To heal yourself. So, I mean, of course, I love exactly. it for first aid, for acute, but when it comes to chronic, you got to sort out your own issues. Even before I knew of GNM, yeah. I was like, you know, sort out your own issues and then maybe your psoriasis will sort itself out. Okay, even if it's natural and you're taking natural substances, for me, my clients, patients, they weren't empowered. when So they would still live their old lifestyle. They would still have their addictions. They would still all do these things that weren't healthy for them and they knew it emotionally, their codependencies, and then come to me and say, fix me. You know, when you know, it's like, no, <laughs> fix yourself. You just keep coming back to me for the same things, right? So frustration was exactly. born. So I've actually stopped taking chronic patients now for the past, I'd say, maybe okay. a year already. Yeah, and that that's the thing also with homeopathy that I know, or or with with um being in the health space in general where people, clients, patients, they kind of depend on you. And and I guess it's because of our conditioning for for decades maybe. Nah, no, it's a pill for an ill and somebody else mm -hmm. will decide for you and I'm too mad. I don't want to think for myself. Just fix me period. But that's not really where the shifts and transformations happen. It happens from within on a cellular level. And so if you are only looking at the physical level, nothing is really going to happen. It's just going to recur until you learn that lesson. Right? I agree. I agree. 150%. <laughs> so very true. So uh, no, parang the, you've had a lot of success stories, though, over the years. No, Even COVID. I remember COVID, there was a boom. You had students, you had all of these people start to become interested in homeopathy during the pandemic. Oh, definitely. And for COVID, I mean, the homeopathy worked. Don't get me wrong. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to champion it or not. But with COVID, I remember maybe I've treated more than 100 people. I've even gotten people out of the ICU. But for me, I treat it, it's an acute. I mean, I don't know what the GNM yeah. lens is, but it was an acute. I would give a remedy. The remedy would work on that vital force level. And then it's up to them now whether it became long COVID or if it was resolved completely. So that's where I saw where it could be a problem is those that identified with, the law, with it, then long COVID onset. And I also noticed that those were the those that were the most paranoid, and I don't know what the explanation was, are the ones that caught it. The ones that were so afraid, yes. hiding, you know, not leaving the house, not touching anything, talking to anyone. Boom. Yeah. They were always the first one to get it. I have no idea why. 
Yes, yes. Think conflict, uh, territorial fear, conflict. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sore throat, can't swallow this life situation, conflict. And they're all sabay-sabay. And, you know, they're labeled as just one thing is COVID. But they're like a series or collection of separate conflicts. Interesting. Yeah, my dad and I, that was what's so cute. And I miss him so much. But we would treat some cases together. Like he would be giving the antibiotics and I would be giving the homeo. So we would be treating some cases in tandem. But for acute emergency, definitely homeopathy is still a go-to. And also to ease the mind. I think if that helps the, the mind also settle that you're taking something, that's also okay for me with um, using tools like homeopathy. Yeah, definitely. Me too. I mean, after GNM, okay. So when I became um, a practitioner in GNM, I I sold all the the homeopathy books that I bought. I mean, I hoarded. Not even bought. Yeah. I hoarded. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm not gonna read this anyway. I might as well just give it away and sell it. If I think you saw me yeah. when I did that. Uh, yes. Because also everybody in the GNM community in the U.S. and all, they also did the same thing. It's like they gave up homeopathy. But I, I didn't. I still didn't. Because it's my go-to way. When, whenever the system still needs support or when, it's, when you need something to appease the psyche of the person so that it doesn't create a new conflict around mm-hmm. being sick or in pain, you want to also address that and you want to pull the reins on that. So to manage it a little bit. So homeopathy is the, the first thing that that I'll reach for. There was a time when I was still, it, it was in the at the height of the pandemic. And then my, my friend's dad got into this acute state where he couldn't breathe. So he couldn't breathe and he had high fever and he was just really, I don't know, it was so acute. People were freaking out. And then I was just very calm. So I asked my friend to tell me what are the symptoms. And then I got the homeopathy book that came with your course, the basic one. And then I look there, okay, difficulty breathing, there's fever, ganyan, it's parang lung, it's a lung thing. I said, give him Antart now. Just give mm-hmm. him, just give him two doses of it and then let's see. My gosh, in like 20 minutes, the dad was completely fine. He even was able to walk down the stairs and walk to the car and then ride the car to the emergency room because they still wanted to get him checked out. And the time during the pandemic, walang ambulance. It was so hard to get an ambulance at the time. So he would have, I felt that without that, he may have passed. He may have passed. And so for me, it was like, oh my God, homeopathy is going to save the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely, I think that, I mean, instead of anything artificial or pharmaceutical or petroleum-based, it's still definitely a better option. But it's not a cure-all. Some people think it's a cure-all. And that's where my frustration begins. You know, when they come to me and they, it's whatever they have is already autoimmune, chronic. And you can see when you get their life history, because we always have to ask a medical history to find out where all the traumas were, similar to GNM, where all the different traumas were in their life. You know that it's just for me, with what I'm doing now, it's them not acknowledging their shadow self right you know what are their deep traumas that they're not dealing with what are they not seeing in themselves that's manifesting and now that i know more about gnm i see now why it's manifesting in the uterus why it's manifesting in the breast why it's manifesting in the skin so it explains to me now i mean it's all coming together right it's all coming together but for me it was 
chronic was really my biggest frustration when it comes to homeopathy because of the heavy dependence on just give me something to cure me and then that's it. I won't look at anything else. Yeah. And then the frustration of parang, this is taking so long. Why is it? Uh, it's been a week already. Why am I not well yet? And things of that nature. But then also in GNM, though not well yet, or the sick phase is actually the healing phase. Uh, when the when the body needs you to settle down and be be quiet is when you feel the pain. There's a biological purpose for pain and the bleeding and all of that is because you really need to ponder what's going on. Kind of you know take the time to look at your conflicts and see what your body is trying to teach you but people are so i mean when you look at gnm diba homeopathy also you will tell clients it's not strange to tell clients that hey do this for eight months yes definitely yeah. and it takes a rule of thumb was it would take for example they've been sick for three years it may take three to six months if they were sick for three months it would take three to six days so that was more or less the rule of thumb, depending on how long that uh, they had the illness. Yeah, exactly. And that's like GNM, same thing. Like if you have breast cancer, prepare to be in healing phase for about nine months, eight months, nine months. So if the breast is already bleeding in the healing phase with the purulent bacteria, the smelly bacteria, it may bleed for nine months because it's such a deep program. Like you said, now if it if you're conflict active for this long, the healing phase is gonna take pretty long also. That's just nature. Yes, exactly. We're so sold on the quick fix and oh, oh a magic was, pill, no? Yeah, exactly. The magic pill, which I think slowly people are realizing that it doesn't exist. I have to admit now more than ever, there is really after the pandemic, there's really a shift in the way people are viewing pharmaceuticals. Even they're realizing that it's a little bit too much because of a lot of side effects. Of, I don't know if there's a GNM explanation for the side effects, but there are. They're, they're feeling some, let's say, from too much antibiotics. I see a lot of people with gut issues, a lot of people with candida from all of that long-term pharmaceutical use. Kidney, yeah. a lot of kidney, kidney. And I'm sure there's a GNM explanation for all of that. Yeah, yeah, there is. Plus, pa in GNM, those are what we call symbiotics. So the candida is really for breaking down tissue. The bacteria is for breaking down tumor or deno carcinomas and all of that. And so, if you kill them, hello, who's gonna who's gonna break them down for you in a natural way? Because we we call them our mini surgeons. Because they don't mistakenly cut tissue that they're not supposed to unlike a human surgeon they may make a mistake like mm -hmm. they may sever a nerve or something like that the bacteria don't it's clean and they know exactly how to do it except that it will take time it's masakit it's madugo but you don't want to kill them and actually the the funny thing is that come in gnm we want to make sure that we have bacteria. So how are what are the ways that you can get bacteria? One is to French kiss your cats and dogs. Okay. <laughs> another is to smell or eat soil. I smell soil. And then another is to find somebody with COVID, have him cough on you. Literally. Okay. Just make sure you do you know, because we you know how stink conflicts and you know, you know how to control stink conflicts and territorial fear conflicts and all of that. 
And so if somebody coughs on you and you know intentionally that it's really just to, to give you bacteria that you may not have, that's the best way, actually. Ah, so you mean antibiotics are killing the bacteria? Yes. That's what you mean are. to say. Yes. yes, and they're well, all good. There's no bad or good. Even parasites are there for a reason, for whatever reason. They're they're just there. Even worms. Even like worms, yeah. And even mosquitoes. Supposedly, um, mosquitoes will sometimes they'll bite you, sometimes they won't. So far, according to GNM, it's because they you have a bacteria or something that they don't have, and they're interested in your blood, and they're interested in getting it from you, ah, okay. or you may have a bacteria that you may need from them and they will bite you and they will provide you with it. Because I've gotten dengue, no kidding, three times. Yeah, about dengue. It's not, it, I mean, we can explore that, Eva. So dengue is not, it's again, one of those things where it's a collection of separate conflicts and it's a separation conflict. There's an indigestible morsel part of it. There's a self-devaluation that's part of it. There's a separation. Yeah. So it's a collection of all of these things. Uh, interesting. I wonder why I've gotten it three times. Yeah, <laughs> Actually, I, I know. <laughs> we should explore that then. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But then, you know, did you ever see a mosquito bite? Like, did you ever feel it or see it or find one? No. Exactly. Yeah, no, actually, no. Yeah, so why do we believe, you know, what because they the say? symptoms matched, I suppose. Yeah, what they say yeah. is the same. And then, of course, you get your platelets done, and then it fits the picture, and then your hemoglobin fits the picture, and the headache fits the, fits the picture. But I notice I only get it, you're right, when I'm feeling weak or lack of sleep. That's the only time I got COVID was after. I didn't get it the whole time and I wasn't careful, that's for sure. I got COVID after my father passed away. So yeah. I think I was tired, I was weak, I had all the conflicts, right? And then that's when I yeah. was susceptible to what they call COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you say COVID, because it's a territorial fear conflict, so it's uh, I might lose my territory, precious territory. And in some way, your dad is your territory that yeah. you know you were uh, fearful of losing and then you got into resolution when he passed and that's when the sick symptoms came so it's it's interesting <laughs> Deva. this became a consultation i love I it <laughs> <laughs> i know it's also learning so that people can also know and no, one of the things interesting <laughs> it's interesting though so in dengue kasi, parang what people have noticed that usually happens when school starts. So during the rainy season, that's why they say, okay, rainy season, that's when mosquitoes come out. It's kind of damp and, and there's too much moisture outside. Ganyan. But we have to look at why. Why is it coincidental with, with school starting? So there's like a separation conflict. There's rashes, diba? So kids don't want to leave home because they were at home for, you know, for summer and then now they have to go to school and they're going to miss whoever they're going to miss at home. And then there, there's indigestible morsel conflict. Oh no, there's a whole 10 months I have to be in school and I have to study again and all of that. So there's all of these shared collective conflicts that children normally experience when they start school after the summer. I month. see. And then now like this flu going around, there's supposed to be this really bad flu going around. That stink conflict, but how did they get hawa? I mean, it's incredible. Somebody had a party and everyone in the party now got the flu. So exactly, it's a shared, yeah. it's a shared yes. Yes. conflict. 
Yeah, I can explain. The stink conflict kasi is a common cold is the healing phase, diba? So runny, mucus, nose, and all of that. But a stink conflict is a, a literal bad smell. Like if you really smell like something chemically every day and then your nose will, will react with the cells. Yeah. But a stink conflict is also inis, annoyance. So I'm so pissed off with this person, a peste na person, yeah. or pesting ingay can be like construction ambulance that you keep mm. hearing so can be peste but it, it's also a smell of danger so you know when you when you read headlines and social media posts about this new virus coming from india whatever and then you go somewhere and then you just have that nanosecond thought now oh oh someone here might be or let's say someone sneezes out of whatever not not really having anything but someone sneezes that nanosecond thought particle of oh oh baka may covid mahawa ko will trigger it and then that's will, enough that's enough that yes and even if i know gnm i know i i can trigger it so that's that and then when you read the headlines and you go to a mall you have the smell of danger conflict that's possible na parang oh oh it's everywhere i might catch it here kasi ang daming tao eh patay mga taong ang dami it's christmas na ganyan ganyan so that so i can see how an epidemic would start because then there's this mass hysteria exactly Exactly. Media, mass hysteria, so everyone's totally. fear, fearful. Totally, yeah. I never got COVID, never, never, ever. I was using homeopathy. That was it, just in case, but I never got it because I, I thought the whole thing was a hoax. So I was just such a um, skeptic and all. And I think that one, you know, that when you have that, that attitude of like, fuck this, actually yeah, you'll never yeah. get conflicts, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> It's like the art of not giving a fuck, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what I do, so just to let people know that if you if you get into so first to be aware of the smell of danger where you're where you're somewhere, and then to just say ang bango bango, it's so mabango here, deva, because that will kind of that really works for me because I've shaken the hands of people who are like really making bahang with lots of clean yeah. neck and talagang swollen eyes and nose, and then I've voila, nothing happened to me at all. But if I had that one nanosecond thought that I'd get Hawa, I would get it immediately. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You know, these things should be taught in school. Yeah. Everyone should know. Yeah. That's also, in some way, all of these, what they call the tiny T traumas. So it yes. doesn't have to be a big mega trauma, you know, like, oh my God. Even these little tiny T traumas are accumulative. Yeah, totally. Such a young age, right? The program, like you were telling me about allergies, egg allergies, or any kind of allergy, is just people fearful for you that you might be allergic, and then you plant it in your head, and then you actually yes. get the allergy. It manifests as the allergy. Yeah. Or, um, so I, I practice something called NAET, Nambujipad Allergy Elimination Technique. And there there are three different levels of, of getting an allergy. An allergy, quote, in quotes, in air quotes, would be physical, chemical, and emotional. So, but it's mostly emotional. Because when, whenever you're, when, let's say you're a child, no, and then you're at the dinner table or breakfast or whatever, and you're experiencing a trauma, let's say mom is getting mad at you or mom and dad are fighting or mom's getting mad at your sibling, whatever, and you feel unsafe, your subconscious will anchor 
the feeling of not being safe to whatever's on the table. And what is on the table usually? Egg, orange juice, chicken, uh, milk, chicken rice. Yeah, and then let's say it's a, a trauma cat. while you're eating. Parang ganyan, because wow. more more often than not, diba, you're you're together with your family, yeah. diba? and that's yeah, where yeah. arguments happen. That's where you get sawai. That's where you get pal or whatever. And then you know, you you will trigger it, and you will act, your subconscious can create tracks around the ano around the food that's there. And then let's say a cat brushes your leg, pag pinapagalitan ka, ayan, biglang cat allergy na, dog allergy na, or something. So it's really fascinating the way you look at the subconscious. It's just such a, a beast, Eva. But there's a way to control it. Yes, that's what. But that's actually where I'm exploring now. Where I think that my next phase is going is really teaching people how to master their mind so that they don't fall victim to these traumas, big or even blame their traumas for the state of their life or why they're not healthy or why they're not rich or why they're not you know we can spend our whole lives blaming our parents blaming society blaming everybody <laughs> and never get anywhere the next level is really being accountable and responsible for your actions and choices i agree and the next level of healing i feel is really mastering the mind especially now with ai our mind needs to work faster I we know. need to beat ai <laughs> Or, or move faster than AI. And I, I, I think it's going to happen. There seems to be a worldwide um, more consciousness now with meditation techniques mm-hmm. and all of these practices, right? mind mastery practices. I feel I see it happening. People that never used to meditate are all of a sudden exploring it, yeah. getting into it. So I, th- I hope that's a good thing. You know, I hope that's a a good trend that's happening. Yeah. So you're the one of, you are, I think you are the pioneer of neurofeedback here in the Philippines. So what was the thing that got you into it? How did you find out about neurofeedback? I, I took this healing course with a teacher from Singapore and she was the, I forget the modality that she was teaching us. And she says, yeah, you know, on the side, I also do this thing called neurofeedback and to explain it's EEG. And I was thinking, oh, okay, that sounds really interesting. So she brought in her teacher, mentor, Dr. Guan. And at that time, I was working for my dad's clinic. We have a, a clinic, NHS. And they were looking to invest in some kind of alternative, you know, healing modality. And they liked it. So at one point we had, you know, ironically, all the branches are still open except mine, the main one. So Alabama <laughs> still open. Santa Rosa still open. Gaston City still open. Manila was the one I couldn't keep open because our overhead of all our doctors was just too high. You know, we were paying doctors and psychometricians and psychologists. So during COVID, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it open anymore, but I got into it because of that doctor. But more than that is I was a teacher with the art of living foundation. I was a meditation and pranayama uh, teacher for since 2006. That's how I became vegetarian for so many years 2000, no, 2006, I got into 2009 until about 2014. I was teaching meditation and pranayama. And that's where I really realized that it's the mind. It's the mind. It's the mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's the mind. Yeah. You know, so it's always been, now it's full circle. I went into homeopathy and then I realized it's still not helping. Although I would get good results with pe- people with schizophrenia and bipolarity. I remember. Sometimes they would always go back. 
they would always slip and I, the remedy wouldn't stick. And at the end of the day, you still have to do the work. You still have to do the work. Gotcha, the gotcha. <laughs> and is that where you felt that Parang GNM kind of became the missing link? Yes, definitely. Because with GNM, I mean, you could be in a desert island, but unless, of course, you got physically like stabbed or bitten by a shark. You could literally cure yourself with just you. And that's, for me, always been the holy grail yeah. of healing. I'm yes. a lazy healer, man. I don't want to heal here all day. I got tired of hearing people day in and day out. It's like, oh, help yourself. Here, meditate 30 minutes. Here, some Joe Dispenza meditations. Here, some of these breathing exercises. Go. Go forth and heal yourself. Exactly. <laughs> do the work, will you? Please? Yeah, exactly. Do the work. Because that's the only way we'll have a better world. I mean, okay, so today, now with what's happening in the Gaza Strip and and all that that's causing i mean this is serious stuff right oh, and that yeah. is a result of all these people that just don't have their minds screwed on correctly their ego is bigger than the whatever and it's detrimental to the world yeah. one of few people that that constellation i guess it's a constellation yes. it is it is it says it's and you know what it is it's a double self-devaluation conflict so they have to puff themselves up doubly to rise above their insecurity and then they find somebody else that's just as puffed up as them and then exactly. they create something so they have something to do right i mean yeah. now you can just look at the world and and realize that you know if everyone just i guess it's meditated this would be a better world. It sounds so easy, but if we all mastered our minds, and I think that this is just a shift. This is just a shift. So we will get there, but there will be chaos. Yes. Right? Yes. I and mean, that's what I feel, that we're really going to go through this. But the pendulum swings both ways. Eh? Yeah. So we're here, and the pendulum's going to swing the other way where everyone's just going to be tired of that and start to look within and start to value peace. And I guess I'm just always the positive person that, yeah. feels that it's going to go in that direction. So it's a generational thing. Maybe Gen Z, I don't know. Maybe it's Gen yeah. Z that's the hope. I feel that too. Parang the chaos is like, if you look at it in GNM terms, it's like the epicrisis. It's the chaotic time in the healing phase where nature just wants to calibrate everything and rebalance everything really fast. And for that, you know, you need a little bit of disorder and then it will just settle down. The dust will just settle. Ah, that's a good explanation. That's true. No, the world yeah. is in an epic crisis. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. And I think maybe the pandemic was a huge epic crisis, I think, because it feels like it's the heal second healing phase where we're trying to parang fix, patch everything up, trying to get back to homeostasis, like the last parts of it. And then the new paradigm is kind of... The age know. of Aquarius is what the yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. The age of Aquarius. Cool. Like well, we that. live in exciting times. That's oh, for totally. Sure. But totally. we need to make resilient people because they're not seeing it in that. I mean, a lot of people are operating on fear. A lot of yeah. people are operating on fear because of what they read and you know what they perceive. Yeah. So now I think it's very important to get yeah. people uh, on board in, in, in the sense that everything is impermanent. I guess we go back to the Vedic teachings and the Vedic philosophies mm. that this is just an illusion right yeah. life is just an illusion and the only revenge is to live the best life yeah exactly 
Yeah. Diba? I think I think the pandemic was like a really great awakening because well yes it took away so many lives but then the ones that survived parang it awakened them into you know from their stupor because I found that a lot of people before the pandemic didn't care about their health yeah. at all. They just didn't give a shit <laughs> at yeah, all. And then all of a sudden, oh my god, I'm on my toes. What's going on? You know, alternative stuff because you know because the medical paradigm was not sustainable. It it could not take in the, the influx of patients. They didn't have enough beds and all. We know that it, it's a paradigm that doesn't work. So what works is that we empower people to take care of their own health. So now they're like interested in alternative healing. So now there's so many people into homeopathy, herbal remedies, our own local herbs and all of that, which is good. Yeah, there's a place for everything. And I think it's step up. It's like a staircase anyway. You start somewhere and then you keep ascending the scale up to, yeah. as you call it, self-sovereignty. Yes. Where you're just the master of your own body, master of your own mind. The superhuman, supernatural. Totally. <laughs> Controlling your biology so it doesn't control you. That's the definition of biohacking. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Ellie, man, you've really been like at the forefront of it all. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and isn't our constellation driving us to do this? It is, isn't it? It is. Right. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And and I was just exploring, I was doing a deep dive in, into this other world that's based on GNM, but on like, it, it's something called the project purpose. So it's like the the psychological state of your parents as they conceived you becomes your biological conflicts in your life. And so parang there's ancestral, transgenerational uh, inheritance of conflicts and all of that. It's all for just this collective life lesson that you come in about with your karmic family or something like that. GNM, if you, if you, if you are a purist, you will not go into Wu at all. Not even mm -hmm. have one Wu. Uh, really, uh, or it's else, scientific, scientific. Totally, the purists will just shoot <laughs> you down. W, not even the W, not even the W and even. They'll just shoot you down. But you have to, eh? Because if you, you know, Dr. Hammer actually followed Steiner's work. And so there's something there also. Plus, you know, there's Project something Project Purpose is Steiner. No, Project Purpose is actually recall healing. I'll, I'll be talking to Dr. Melissa Sell soon, and she's into that. She's into the, um, doing the certification course. But it's interesting because you, you can look at your constellations as something that you planned in order for you to upgrade your brain so that you can find your, your vision, your purpose. Because said the only way to upgrade the brain is through conflicts and constellations. Eh? Exactly. For example, me, I have a myocardial constellation, which is a double overwhelm conflict from mother and father from childhood. So that literally gives you what you call a big heart. This is the caregiver constellation, the social worker, the service to others, the, you know, uh, empath and all of that. I want to help everyone, period. Mm -hmm. That's what's driving my life purpose. And then also a flying constellation. So a um, flying constellation is for mentors and engineers where you find the solution before the problem even comes. And you want to oh. levitate above earth, rise above the conflict so that you can find the solution immediately. Kenyan. But not in a detachment sort of way. It's in a detachment in a sort of way. Also, yeah. so these are the 
a lot of us are flying constantly. You know why? Because we like the paranormal. We like we we like the ah, okay. so travel. The... Ganyan. So Fairy. that is a flying. That is yeah. a flying constellation. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I got some of that too. <laughs> yeah, it's very common because a lot of people have asthma and it's actually the constellation of a scare fright conflict on the larynx on the left side of the left hemisphere and the bronchial mucosa on the right hemisphere. So that's that's asthma. So if you've had asthma, you could have a flying constellation. So it's it's very common. It's very common. It's like pe- the the people who did Star Wars and and uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, they have these constellations, the outer space. So it kind makes of you thing. also creative. I guess it, you need to be oh, constellated to be creative. Yes. All the geniuses in the world are constellated because, you know, you look at them and their their traumas in the past, you know, they like the actors and directors who are super duper talented. They came from poverty. They were abused sexually. They had an alcoholic father. They came from foster homes. But you always hear about that. Yes. Steve was adopted, you know, so. So, yes, sometimes, you know, you can, if you knew this work enough, you would be able to want to be constellated so that it could be of service or it could be of use to you. And then when you're done with it, now get out, get out of the constellation. So there's a, a little bit of power in that, right? being able to control what you need, what will serve you, and then not to be a slave to it, but be the one steering it. Fascinating. Fascinating. Super. You should have a class just on constellations. It's so, I mean, it's really down my line, right? Yeah, yeah. Mental health. It's yeah. Really so my teacher, my Andy, Andy is going to have a constellation course. So we should we should enroll in that in November. She's gonna but do you need to have a, a GNM background? Because oh, all yeah. I have is just from reading websites. Huh? Learning GNM. Yeah, that's it. No, no, you don't mm-hmm. need it. Just the, the basic knowledge of the five biological laws would be very useful. And, and it's easy to know the biological laws. Basically, what we need to look at are the hemispheres of the brain, uh, the biphasic system, you know, the conflict active phase, the con- conflict resolution, and then the healing phase. Just to know that very basic stuff. You can't teach yet, Ali. Me? Yeah. Not yet. But slowly, I'm I'm teaching the like the the uh, no the easy conflicts like the sore throat, the cancer, ganyan. Ah, no, not yet. I graduate in a year and a half, and then after the year and a half, we're gonna go into clinical GNM, which is reading CT scans now of people. Ooh, okay. Yeah, because that's how GNM was discovered, about through the CT scans that he collated. He saw sixty thousand of them. He studied sixty thousand scans. What was his practice? He was what kind of a doctor? He doctor? was. I think he was head of the oncology ward, which was very useful because he himself... He could see the conflicts of people with cancer. Yes, that's where it started. Because he himself got testicular cancer because like the Netflix documentary... Il Prince, or the prince who never was, but they talked about this story. He, Dirk Hammer, his 17-year-old son, was accidentally shot by the Prince of Savoy. And he died in Dr. Hammer's arms. Maybe, I don't know, months later, he got testicular cancer. And he was wondering why. And then being in the oncology ward, it just so happened the CT scan just happened to come. It was brand new. I think the it machine. Yeah, the machine was brand new in 1983. So he had to study CT scans, whatever. And then he saw he, he saw that there were Hammersher heard, there, there were like these circles that were forming on the brain relay that was mapped to the organ. 
And then he continued to study it further and then started to interview people and found that the people with testicular cancer were suffering the same kind of conflicts as he was, which is a profound loss. So the testicles get bigger because it wants to produce more semen so that the, the man will become more virile and then create a new human being because you lost one. I see. Yeah. Makes sense. It makes sense. And in, in women, it's ovarian. And literally, if you have a dermoid cyst and you open it up, there's teeth and bones in there. Oh, really? And hair, teeth, hair, bones. Yeah, it's like photocopying a human because it's a profound loss conflict. So you lost a, a real a human, a child. Usually it's a child, but it can also be a spouse. So a profound loss if a, a spouse. So I think I got it when I lost my brother in 1990. I think I got it. What, what did you get? A cyst? A variant, yeah. A variant, oh. yeah. But the beauty about ovarian cysts is that you will look young forever because you have extra estrogen because that estrogen uh, is supposed to make you look younger and more attractive so that you can your mate will mate with you and you can make a new baby. Really? That's why your baby face forever. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but it's also maturity stop then. <laughs> Oh, that's another whole topic. That's another <laughs> whole topic. Oh my gosh. I'm interviewing you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. No. no, maturity stop is like arrested development, right? Yeah, yeah. The brain the brain because it doesn't want you to resolve to to mature because it it needs you to resolve um the conflict at that level. So I must have had a maturity stop. Definitely, 150%, right? Was you think being a fat kid gave me a maturity stop? <laughs> if you had an identity conflict possible, like... Yeah, I uh, had an identity conflict. You did? Definitely, you did. yeah, 100%. Rectal 100%. mucosa. That's parang... It could be like a... Uh, yeah, an identity conflict na being teased by the male members of your family that you're ganyan, that you could have an identity Or classmates. classmates. Or classmates, yeah. Puede. Yeah. Maybe so that's why I was never interested in marriage. I was just, it just, honestly, when my siblings started getting married, I looked at them as traitors. Really? It's like, why are you getting married? It just never crossed my mind. That, and I remember I was, I was engaged. I had a ring. I was going to get married. And I got the worst allergy in the world. Oh like gosh. I couldn't breathe. And every time I would see my fiance, I, God, I hope he doesn't hear this. But anyway, <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> I would literally stop breathing until I finally said I have to break up with him. I broke up with him. Man, my uh, disappeared completely. Oh, my, my allergy. Gosh. But yeah. for me, it was just such a foreign concept to get married. Same thing. Same so I don't know thing. if that was a maturity stop. Like I yeah. couldn't understand why my siblings wanted to get married and have kids. It was like, yeah. it's weird, right? It's supposed same, to be a same. natural biological thing. Yes, yes, but I don't think I ever had it. Yeah, but here's the beauty of that. When you look at it from a GNM lens, it's like nature wants you to take a pause because, okay, so first of all, the maturity stop usually happens when there's a constellation. So constellation is two conflicts that are landed or active in uh, both hemispheres. So that's a maturity stop. So it has to be dalawa. And then we look at the age that you got your period. So ladies are supposed to get their period at 11. So sometimes some women get it at 9, some get it at 14 or 16. So that means that there's a conflict that shifted you from feminine to masculine hemisphere. 
So, so we look at that. So the age that you got your period is about the age of your maturity. It's about, about that. Although I suspect that mine is younger, pa, mga eight or, or something. But then what you might have gotten is like a sexual frustration conflict, the same thing that I got. And nature wants to put that on pause because sexual frustration means you're not sure. Like if there's a gun that was put on your head and then and then somebody threatened you, I'm gonna shoot you, you choose who your who the father of your child is gonna be, you'll be dead because you don't know who. You mm. just don't know who who's gonna be the dad. You just are not sure. <laughs> yeah. You're just not sure. You don't trust anyone to be the father. Divine Freya that we know. We need to trust yeah. the man to be the provider and protector. And there's just no one there, period. And so parang nature is protecting you. Oh, wag muna, wag muna, because you're not sure yet. But as soon as you find a biologically appropriate masculine that will resolve your conflict, that then you can gain three years of maturity per pregnancy before the age of 25. So there's a way for you to get out of your maturity stop also if you find a mate, a biological masculine mate. But if you don't, well then... Well, that ship has sailed. <laughs> that, sh that ship has sailed. And, you know, I guess it's part of our project purpose to, to not be married in this lifetime, right? <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. True. That's interesting about the maturity stop. Yeah. Constellations okay. will talk about that. So if you guys are interested in Constellations, Maturity Stop and all, um, Andy Lockmere's uh, my teacher and one of the profound uh, known people in the English speaking world of GNM will be having one in November. And one of my podcast episodes is interviewing Andy. So then have you used GNM in, for one of your patients and have you had any success stories like adding GNM to your toolbox? Well, mostly I refer them to you. But they all seem to be doing well, right? Like I had somebody with uterine cancer. And then, well, there's a friend of ours with throat cancer. Right. So they seem to be doing well. In fact, this one, the, the one with uterine cancer, I realized there was somebody else that was diagnosed at the same time that she was diagnosed. And the other person went the whole traditional, and they were both diagnosed with stage four cancer. Okay. The friend went through chemo and everything within the year she passed. Oh, wow. And this one, the one that I referred to you, is going on probably three, going on year four maybe and wow. surviving. But I think now she's in the phase of expelling the tumor. Right, right. So I don't know how long. I mean, I told her to be patient, but I think it's only been four or five months of expelling the tumor. But the last time we got her PET scan, mm -hmm. there was one tumor that disappeared one tumor that grew, but I think it might be encapsulated. That's why it grew. Yes. But her something uptake, I forget what it's called in the PET scan that shows the malignancy lowered, which means the malignancy is lowering. Wow. The malignancy of her uterine cancer from stage four. So I found it so fascinating that the PET scan showed exactly what's happening in real life from her symptoms of expelling the tumor. You know, all the bleeding, the smell, you said the smelly discharge, yeah. the bleeding, the even the chills, you know, she even got the chill, everything, everything yeah, that yeah. you said that she would get showed in the PET scan, the malignancy going down, one tumor encapsulated, one tumor gone. Fantastic. But wow. that for me, that's the only kind of case that I know that there was some kind of evidence in the PET scan that showed that something was working. Of course, she was doing, she's also doing homeopathy, she's mm -hmm. doing CBS doing pancha karma, many other things. But I must say that 
her psyche is yeah. strong. Out of all of that, I think that that is what's saving her life, her psyche, compared to the other people that just resign to my faith. I'm going to give you all the chemo, whatever, and you're not your stage four state. That's really a gun to your head. That's that's a sure, sure in the end. If you're stage sure. four, you do that much chemo, you're not going to make it. Stage four. Because you're stage one, stage two, healthy, pwede pa. But stage four, hindi na. The vital force just can't handle it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've had a few, but you know what? I have one that's pancreatic cancer, stage four, but surviving. And it's been almost two years. But kind of uh, becoming emaciated now, doing chemo, doing chemo, but not radiation, but also doing orthomolecular therapy. So that's kind of helping also doing my machines and all. Um, but there, what, what is really enough for me, iffy for me is that there's fear. So they, when they see the tumor getting bigger, there's a big fear. And for me, I told them <laughs> when the tumor is getting bigger, it just means that you're not, you're still fearful and that you're not believing that you will not die. Parang ganyan. You're, you, you, you're still in that old paradigm where you think that it, the cancer is trying to kill you, but it actually isn't. So, uh, you should take the steering wheel instead of it steering you. Right? But but ano, exactly. ha, it's keeping them keeping him afloat. He's still alive. I mean that's yeah, especially for pancreatic is very ah, fast, right? In, in the fast. normal in the normal world in the normal normal world. Yeah. So another concept that I'm really exploring is spontaneous remission of what Dr. Joe Dispenza is right. teaching, and it's all about putting your psyche in such a state where you are the placebo. Yes. I have no fear of death. I have my I, I'm gonna talk to my body, my body's gonna sort itself out. And these people are reporting spontaneous remission, spontaneous healing. So yeah. I mean that's really for me the ultimate in medicine. Totally. Totally. And I noticed that a lot of people, since I've been healing since what 2002, and people would come to me or come to us in the healing house with all kinds of cancer. I noticed those that couldn't even talk about death, couldn't even say the word death, that were so fearful, mm-hmm. were the first ones. Yeah. That went. Yeah. I mean, you know, and those that said, oh, I got no time for this. Dude, they're well. It's like, you know, oh, whatever. Remove it. Remove, uh, maybe they had one operation. They removed it. I have no time for this cancer, cancer shit. Huh? Goodbye. And they're fine. <laughs> Totally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't think, oh my God, this is a death sentence. They exactly. just literally said, I'm having a good life. I have no time for this. <laughs> love it, love it. And totally, there's like, there are people that have tumors growing in the eye and whatever, and they're completely fine. You know, it's like, whatever. A tumor, like I, I posted just recently that a tumor, every, we all come from tumors because what is pregnancy? Pregnancy is a tumor. It's mitosis. It's cell proliferation. That's what I found We're yeah. just giant tumors pala. We are. We all got, all mothers oh, with cancer. With the feet, the hair, and the nails. Exactly. <laughs> so if you like, if you hammer your thumb accidentally, a tumor is going to grow. That's, that's mitosis. Yeah. That's like yeah. cell division and everything. And what's the first biological law of nature? Cancer is a replenishing process. So it doesn't mean just cancer, but cancer as a as a program in nature, that proliferation of cells is a natural process for uh, our survival. My line is, a tumor wants you to see tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that's a cute one. That's yeah. a cute one. 
just to remove the stigma around the the c word people can't even say it but like cancer 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 yeah. i can say exactly yeah just the word cancer and the fear cancer maybe that's also why so many people that work in cancer wards oncologists they all have cancer too yeah you know, yeah cancer nurses oncologists at the end of the day they yeah. so I know a lot that ended up getting, yeah. uh, getting cancer. So I find that so interesting that the fear, no matter what, it's just, you said, just even a flash of fear yeah. can already do you in, right? Yeah. Yeah, because as soon as you believe, so like even in, because of GNM, I also removed a lot of biohacking myths, like, you know how the biohacking world is so into, oh, we're anti-5G and EMF, or so it's so dangerous into, yeah. into the vol voltage regulate, whatever, VGCCs. I'm like, no, actually, if you sleep beside a person, that person is even has even more radiation than 5G. So, diba? Parang not really. Yeah, so, I'm not into any of that. Not even, any, even yeah. at the end of the day, food, right? If you're scared yeah. about eating, I think that that's a disease in itself. And there's a word for it when you're scared of eating anything that's not organic, that's not like this or yes. too much sugar. Or, and then they plant these fears in yeah. people and especially their kids to be fearful of too much sugar, too much junk yeah. food, too much whatever. Until so, people know GNM and they know that sugar doesn't cause diabetes. Otherwise, we should all have diabetes, right? But it's always a 100% rule. People who are eating sugar not getting diabetes, then that means that diabetes is is not, uh, no, it's caused the by sugar. Of diabetes, it's uh so it's pancreas. No, so the the language of digestive organs is usually an anger, indigestible morsel, indigestible anger. So it's a territorial anger conflict. I'm sorry, that's pancreatic cancer, pancreatitis. But but the beta islet cells uh, for the for diabetes is a resistance conflict. So there's an invasion that's coming, usually around property, inheritance, and money, like your siblings are arguing around property, and you're afraid that that invasion is going to take your territory away from you or steal it from you. That's why andaming may diabetes, kasi andaming nag-aaway. Yeah, because my mom has diabetes, so I'm wondering. But yes, definitely, there was a family property spat, court cases pa, and all that. She wasn't a part of it, but I guess it also affected, because my dad said, don't involve yourself in your family whatever, I'll just support you. Don't even include yourself in the court cases against the properties where the National Mental Hospital is. Ironically, ah. thank God. I mean, I guess the karma <laughs> of the place, thank God we didn't end up with any of that. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it that's probably around the time that she got diagnosed with diabetes. But none of her siblings, oh no, her sister, one sister also. Yeah, so I can see. I can see, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, so that and that's also... Um, also, that kind very similar would be colorectal cancer. Also, like the ugly court cases, the money more sell na pinagawayan, but also unjust accusation. So it's like you were jailed for something you didn't do, things of that nature. That's why also colorectal cancer is so common. The the digestive organs and damikasing galit. It's anger. But breast cancer is the most, for me, the most common. Ah, yeah. Uh -oh. So it depends. If it's glandular, it's nest worry dispute. So away at home, but with an element of worry about your child or about your spouse or anybody uh, that's close to you at home. And then, or, and then ductal is more common than glandular. That's a separation conflict. So that's 
torn from my breast, like your child passed away or your child left for the U.S. or parang ganyan without telling you, or your husband did, did passed away or your husband just left without. Because that, I don't know why all of a sudden. So of course, they have all kinds of theories why breast cancer. Because it's the deodorant or it's the bra that's too tight mm-hmm. or all of that, right? But in homeopathy, though, there is a breast cancer personality. And I don't know if there's a GNM explanation for this, but the breast cancer personality is like a long-suffering type uh, person, you know, almost can't voice out, can't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's if that's a conflict if that can be associated with any kind of conflict. Could be, yeah. Can't voice out would be parang um, would be a morsel conflict. In the throat, like or they, the they need dip, dip, yeah, they need dip, dip. So I don't know why it's the ah, interesting. Yeah, could be, and then we would look at the no ancestral transgenerational conflicts also, deba, because more yeah. often than not, it's a behavior that's been inherited from your parents or your forebears. What we call a miasm. That's right. That's right. Miasmatic cancer is a miasm. It's supposed to be generational and passed down. But maybe also they think that, oh, it's in my family and I'm going to get it anyway. That's diba? enough to to trigger it. My gosh, totally enough to trigger it. Like yeah. I recently also had a friend that, that went, to a dia- went to just a routine exam and then they found something in her um, liver. And then, of course, the doctor just scares you to death, even if it's just a hemangioma. Yeah. So from there, they came the PET scan and the whatever. And you know what? They literally could not find anything, but the prognosis is still have another PET scan in six months because that might become something. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you, you said, you, I go, you take your mind off that now because it will become something unless you drop that thought right now, this minute. But I really see how you can just get programmed from regular checkups yeah yearly checkups they can already plant the seed in your head that you're gonna be sick you know i didn't realize it until it was so close to home with a very good friend of mine how they can plant it plus the mom had died of cancer so of course you know it's patong patong right yeah and that's what you call iatrogenic it's caused by the diagnosis itself the way the doctor delivers it the way they say their gloom and doom diagnosis iatrogenic Iatrogenic, yeah. Iatrogenic. Yeah, 80% of it is from the conflict shock created by the diagnosis and the way it's delivered to them. The gloom and doom, the fear of death, the fear of disease, all of that. There's no hope you're going to die if you don't do chemo and all of that stuff. It's really insane. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really, we really need to, I'm sorry, but <laughs> will we be assassinated for this? I'm sorry. No, I'm going to erase that. Oh, indeed, man. <laughs> We're just yeah. helping people, giving them options, Deva. No, but you know, sometimes my mom and dad at one point when I was really championing home, you you better be careful, huh? You better, you know, all these doctors are dying in the States. I was like, mom, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you know, Kasi, no, si Naet, you know Nick Gonzalez, I, I don't know if you know him, but he's one of the, the, the doctors that yes. would, would trip in yeah. with pancreatic enzymes. And he just mis- mysteriously passed away. I forget, na 2015, 2018, I forget. 
but see mysteriously passed away and all these doctors are also like passing away the way to survive it is to spread the word for free it's just to teach people what you know that's the only way because even naet so devin ambujipa the the founder of naet um which discovered what she what she was teaching because it really heals so many and no no so it uses homeopathic vials and then you just energetically balance the energy of the person around it there were like attempts to her life and also this other doctor that she was partnering with and so she said for me to save my life i need to teach multitudes of people the same thing so there are like thousands of night practitioners already in the world and she's still alive so i think the way that we need to not do this is like well it's it's moot if you kill me because yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Part of what we're doing is buhis buhay right Who would have thought, no? I know. We're such rebels. but it's what the world needs and you know i'm doing it also i have i come from a family of doctors as do you i'm and no they're still very much pro me of course they're they're, they're, that's their livelihood but at the end of the day i don't want them i want to to help them i I don't want them to die i don't want anybody to die love my whole family whatever path they that's why also you know with this scare after the vax you know everyone is getting so paranoid i never even really brought it up with my family because i don't even want one shadow of a doubt to their choice to affect yes yes i think that was so important whatever you choose even somebody who chooses chemo i will never say hey you're choosing the wrong path it's just like hey go whatever you think is gonna help you Go for it. Right. That's the only attitude. Right. <laughs> just right. go, go, yeah. go. I think that's so important. No matter what path they choose, don't make them second guess. Nah. That's why also I, I welcome, you know, of course, I was part of this group of, of freedom fighters. About, but I uh, but after a while, I was starting to realize, especially with my deepening knowledge of GNM, that it's more detrimental. The nocebo is just as powerful as placebo, that a substance will harm you can actually trigger that conflict. And it will harm you because the body is adapting to your psyche perception of that danger. So yes, it can happen. So it's like, if you think that, oh my gosh, the vax will give me a heart attack or something like that, it may just. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm very careful now about that right now. Like so many people are saying that that's the cause now for all of these cancer diagnoses. And there's a lot. I know there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. But I'm thinking it's because of also having gone through the pandemic and the fear. You know, for me, maybe that's more of the case than the actual positive or what they think is the positive cause, right? What's your take on that? In GNM, there's no definitive connection between the explosion of cancers and the vax. But there is the parang possible that there's the belief that it will, the nocebo, and also that a lot of people got into resolution phase. A lot of people got into healing phases after the, you know, COVID kind of, kind of eased up. Uh, and so everything. this is the heat healing phase of yeah. everyone. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I see. It makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It so does. they just have to write it out. They have to write yes. it out. 
at all. And then think that the vax is not going to harm them. It's just whatever. Think that it's not dangerous. Because yeah, that, that's dangerous talaga when you plant that seed. Eh. We're, we're, not, we're no better than the iatrogenic you know, way of you know, generating disease, quote-unquote, right? if we do that, if we scare people. That's why I feel like just tell everyone there's propaganda on both sides. Yes. Yes, there's it's toxic definitely, on both sides. Yeah, there's propaganda on both sides. So you just have to be careful. You have to be yeah. discerning with what you're reading and what you're consuming as news and truth. Yeah. So then what's next for you? You're, you're, you have a coaching program coming up. I know you just had a, a meditation course about the mind and all of that. What's next for you? Well, so I'm formulating a coaching program for shadow work, dealing with traumas, dealing with that part of yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't know why it's motivating you to make the choices that you do in life or what are your inner programs that you don't even know are running in you that's making you sick, that's making you make the wrong life choices, repeat all the wrong things. So that's phase one. And then the second phase is actually creating the life you want or manifesting, but you can't actually go there. And that's what I realized when I ran that course on meditation and manifestation. I would say maybe 30% couldn't get to the manifestation because their self-concept and their inner programming and they didn't even face their shadow. So of course, you know, when you have miserable people, they're just manifesting a lot of miserable. Right? <laughs> yes. Or somebody with poor, you know, the poverty mindset is just manifesting a lot more poverty because they haven't dealt with the shadows. That's so it's right. and I think that this is because remember we did ayahuasca. I don't yeah. think everyone has to go through that kind of experience <laughs> just to face their own shadows. I think it can be done in a coaching setting, you know, yeah. uh, at home with journaling and other processes. But I think that that's very, very important. Is everyone, no matter, as my brother Miguel said, so easy to fuck up a kid. You don't even have to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even if you're doing your best, you're going to fuck them up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but, but the 80s kids are less fucked up than the kids now. I don't know why. Us kids, you know, I feel... We have a sense of humor at the end of the day. We have a yeah, sense of- we're more organic humans. <laughs> so that's what I realized is no matter what, you could have the best childhood, but something is still there in your self-concept and your program yes. that's going to affect your ability in some way. Because you can be really good at making money, but maybe in relationships you're not so much. Or your relationships are great, great family, great kids, but you have you don't know what your purpose is. Right. right? So it's different aspects, your know, health, wealth relationships and and purpose so there i'm still conceptualizing it of course it's probably gonna launch in january all about the mind oh my gosh that's why i saw out that your center was called mind works So then my final question is always like, if you had a magic wand and this this wand uh, created the world that you wanted to see, this ideal world, what would that world look like? Actually, everyone meditating and being aware of their mind, you know, because also emotions are just the cause of all of these hormones and neurotransmitters. Emotions are just chemical reactions, yes. you know, for dopamine and, and serotonin, cortisol and all that. So once you realize that, then you can regulate your mind, you can regulate your emotions, you can regulate your actions, you can regulate your reactions, 
And really, that'll be world peace more than anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh, mastering the mind. Yes. Yeah, mastering the mind. Yeah. Because it's also connected to the soul and us being spiritual beings, just being in, in, a, in a human experience, yeah. right? To realize that side of us is that we're just much more than than this, you know? Why yeah. are we going to spend our life fighting and and all that when, you know, there's so much more out there. So it's really, it's very idealistic. But you said magic wand. <laughs> I love it. Magic wand. I want this vision to, to really come to yeah, fruition. I know you do. I know you do. So we're all there. And there's a lot of us that do, right? That we're all finding each other. I think so, I- yeah. Okay, Dan. So where can we find you if somebody needs to get caught? What what are you receiving now? Are you getting consults for anything for homeopathy? Right now, I'm not doing any more chronic consultations. I do acute consultations, emergency consultations through Anton. So that's, yeah, um, they can reach him at uh, Shopee Supernatural Solutions. His number is there. So they can just look at that. And I do one-on-one coaching for, for right now. I'm doing one-on-one coaching because I'm also getting a lot of feedback so they can i'm at be limitless in facebook instagram they can reach me there be limitless okay i'll follow you i didn't know that you that you were on ig and all. okay and just i started just coaching last week oh my gosh it's so natural to you finally then oh, amazing <laughs> really i owe it to all my ancestors that had schizophrenia and and i saw them <laughs> suffer so much that i really think that this is part of that giving back also to, to my ancestors yeah you'll do them proud then thank you so <laughs> much this has been Thanks. such a great conversation wow almost an hour and a half <laughs> oh really oh my yeah, yeah we can but let offline let's catch up huh? when i get back from the states let's catch up i'll go yeah, through yeah. Some. it's all connected based on even DNA. transgenerational and even now karma of countries What's happening in Israel and Palestine yeah. is just the collective karma of a nation. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much. Yes, okay. Night. Thank you. Night. Bye. Bye. As an adjunct to this episode, I wanted to talk about some SPSs that were mentioned. All of this information can be found in learninggnm.com. Let's talk about diabetes. Nestled within the pancreas are cellular clusters known as the islets of Langerhans, pivotal in governing blood sugar or glucose levels. The alpha islet cells secrete glucagon, a hormone that prods the liver to convert glycogen into glucose, elevating blood sugar. Meanwhile, the beta islet cells produce insulin, facilitating the transformation of blood sugar into energy for body cells, thereby lowering blood sugar levels. Both these cell types originate from the ectoderm and are regulated by the diencephalon. The biological conflict associated with alpha islet cells hinges on an individual's gender, laterality, and hormone status. In females, it manifests as a fear-disgust conflict, while in males, it takes the form of a resistance conflict. During the conflict-active phase, the function of alpha islet cells dwindles, leading to reduced glucagon production and, consequently, hypoglycemia. Symptoms of hypoglycemia encompass nausea, dizziness, fainting, explaining why some individuals pass out when exposed to blood, tremors, and a racing heart due to glucose deficiency in muscles, including the heart. A telltale sign of low blood sugar is a hankering for sugary treats intended to restore balance to blood sugar levels. This penchant for overeating often results in weight gain and obesity, 
yet it often goes unnoticed due to frequent consumption of sugar-rich foods. In the initial part of the healing phase, glucose levels gradually ascend to normal. However, during the epileptoid crisis or the healing crisis, marked by reactivation of conflict-active symptoms, blood sugar may temporarily plummet, culminating in acute hypoglycemia or hypoglycemic shock, a medical emergency. In the second part of the healing phase, blood sugar levels rise above the normal range, heralding diabetes symptoms distinct from those linked to beta islet cells in the conflict-active phase. At the culmination of the healing phase, blood sugar levels return to normal. Persistent conflict relapses lead to chronic diabetes. In this scenario, insulin production persists, but the body doesn't efficiently use it to transport glucose to cells, a condition known as insulin resistance, classified as type 2 diabetes or adult-onset diabetes, as opposed to type 1 or juvenile diabetes. Please note that the timing of diabetes development or the healing phase with alpha islet cells or conflict active phase with a beta islet cells hinges on gender, laterality, and hormone status rather than age. Thus, the distinction between juvenile and adult onset diabetes is inconsequential according to GNM. It is worth noting that type 2 diabetes is often associated with overweight individuals, suggesting it's a risk factor for the condition. However, GNM postulates that type 2 diabetes in the second half of the healing phase is not the root cause, but rather a progression from hypoglycemia. The biological conflict associated with beta islet cells also varies on gender, laterality, and hormone status. In males, it takes the form of a resistance conflict, while in females, it's a fear-disgust conflict. During the conflict-active phase, the function of beta islet cells diminishes, causing hyperglycemia or high blood sugar or diabetes, unlike alpha islet cells linked to hypoglycemia. The biological purpose of elevated blood sugar is to prepare the body, particularly muscles, for conflict resolution by providing ample blood sugar to fight effectively. The intensity of hyperglycemia correlates with a conflict strength. Please note that the alpha and beta islet cells belong to the group of organs that respond to the related conflict, not with cell proliferation or cell loss, but with hyperfunction or functional loss. Characteristic of diabetes is extreme thirst, designed to dilute the high blood sugar level akin to the craving for sweets that balances low glucose levels in hypoglycemia. Diabetic ketoacidosis occurs when, due to insulin deficiency, the liver generates high levels of ketone bodies from the breakdown of fatty acids. Ketones serve as an energy source when glucose is limited. However, excessive ketone levels can lead to acidosis and complications. With persistent conflict activity, diabetes becomes chronic, termed insulin-dependent diabetes, classified as type 1 or juvenile diabetes, primarily affecting children and adolescents. In this scenario, insulin therapy and dietary measures are essential until the conflict resolves. Do note that the timing of diabetes development, the healing phase with alpha islet cells or conflict active phase with beta islet cells depends on gender, laterality, and hormone status rather than age. 
the common belief that elevated blood sugar harms arteries and nerves leading to sensory loss in extremities doesn't apply to every diabetic. This theory also fails to explain why high glucose levels affect different body parts in various individuals. According to GNM, diabetic peripheral neuropathy is a combination of two biological special programs running simultaneously, one involving beta islet cells linked to a resistance conflict causing diabetes and the other involving the periosteum. In the case of the legs, this relates to a desire to push someone away after the person resisted, leading to the development of leg ulcers or gangrene, contingent on conflict intensity and duration, akin to diabetic retinopathy. In the initial part of the healing phase, glucose levels normalize. However, during the epileptoid crisis or the healing crisis, marked by reactivation of conflict-active symptoms, blood sugar may temporarily rise. Acute hyperglycemia or hyperglycemic shock can trigger a diabetic coma. In the second half of the healing phase, blood sugar levels drop below the normal range, exhibiting hypoglycemia symptoms. Distinct from alpha islet cells related hypoglycemia in the conflict active phase. At the culmination of the healing phase, blood sugar levels return to normal. Nevertheless, with lingering conflict relapses, hypoglycemia becomes chronic along with the associated sweet cravings. A word of caution due to the potential for a severe epileptoid crisis, addressing conflicts related to alpha and beta islet cells should be undertaken only under the guidance of a healthcare professional. A fear-discussed conflict associated with the alpha islet cells is characterized by a combination of fear and revulsion towards a particular situation or individual. This conflict can be triggered by distressing sexual experiences such as sexual abuse, unwanted sexual practices, or violent encounters. It may also arise from situations involving blood, feces, urine, or vomit. For instance, the fear of a family member under the influence of alcohol could incite a fear-disgust conflict with the smell of alcohol acting as a potential trigger. Children may experience this conflict when faced with the need to consume what they perceive as disgusting food. Even an encounter with a scary spider can instill this particular conflict. On the other hand, a resistance conflict linked to the beta islet cells stems from a strong opposition to someone, like a parent, step-parent, sibling, relative, spouse, teacher, colleague, supervisor, or doctor. A particular situation, whether at work, home, school, or within a relationship, an institution like a school, church, hospital, government, or political regime, decisions made without one's consent or being coerced into action against one's will, children may encounter this conflict at an early age when they resist daycare, kindergarten, or school attendance, or strongly object to instructions imposed upon them. This might also reflect a particular territorial anger or the risk of an invasion or resistance or people coming over and breaking down your gate in order to invade you to steal your territory. For Schizophrenic Constellations, listen to my podcast episode with my teacher, Andy Locke-Mears. Many people in search of alternative modalities gravitated towards homeopathy. Denise founded Homeopathy Philippines and serves as a central hub for thousands of remedies. Find them in Shopee at Supernatural Solutions.
while homeopathy may not rival the ancient traditions of chinese or indian medicine in terms of age it stands as the oldest form of complementary and alternative medicine to emerge in europe its origins can be traced back to samuel hahnemann seventeen fifty five to eighteen forty three who hailed from meissen germany earned his medical degree in erlangen in seventeen seventy nine and passed away as a wealthy individual in paris in eighteen forty three in his early years as a physician hahnemann faced significant financial struggles however a pivotal moment occurred when he began regularly ingesting chinchona also known as the bark or quinine according to hahnemann this substance induced symptoms resembling those of intermittent fever or malaria but in a milder form and without the typical chills associated with the disease this discovery led hahnemann to a groundbreaking concept which he presented in seventeen ninety six in an essay titled essay on a new principle for ascertaining the curative power of drugs in eighteen ten he followed this with his renowned work the organon of the healing art hahnemann's fundamental belief was that an individual's ailment could be remedied by administering a substance that when given to a healthy person would generate comparable albeit milder symptoms of the same ailment for example if a patient experienced severe nausea hahnemann would administer a medicine that in a healthy person would induce mild nausea he claimed to assemble a collection of suitable remedies through a process he termed proving this concept gave rise to his famous aphorism like cures like often referred to as a principle of similars as mentioned in the podcast germanic new medicine does not in any way officially endorse the use of homeopathy many users who turn to gnm either abolish the practice completely or use homeopathy to a much lesser degree it is still my go-to when i need to dispense vital system support to a client with acute symptoms and also for myself i encourage everybody to at least have the basic emergency kit in their medicine cabinet you never know whose life you might save in an emergency let's resort to the saying chance prefers the prepared mind learn germanic new medicine while you're healthy this is the true way to gain health sovereignty in biohacking you control your biology so it doesn't control you but first heal your mindset to biohacking and beyond see you in the next episode